Welcome to another episode of The Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, join me and my co-host, Alex Ross, as we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss a recall and specific face mask, a program for safe sleeping, and a crystal material found in food. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 80 for the week of April 12th. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Alex Ross. Before we get started, you might have noticed my audio quality, and the reason why my audio quality is a little bit lower than usual is because we're currently moving into our new office and our new headquarters in Hudson, Ohio. I'm excited. I know Alex is too. But our diagnosis code of the week is X37.8, other cataclysmic storms applicable to cloudbursts or torrential rain. You know, interestingly enough, this just happened last night. And frankly, you are so lucky that I'm even here this morning. Um, Oh, bless. Right. I don't know if you saw, because it's springtime now. Mm -hmm. It's thunderstorm season, right? It happens. Um, But last night at about uh, 1 a.m., I was uh, laying in bed sound asleep when I heard the pitiful cries of a local stray cat. Oh, I decided, oh, let me go check this out. Let me see if everything's okay. So I went outside to try and find this cat. And wouldn't you know it, as soon as I walked outside, the thunderstorm just loud clap in the sky, torrential rains coming down. I mean, mm-hmm. I was standing there for a couple seconds just trying to figure out what to do because I was paralyzed with how much water was coming down. And, you know, okay. it's flowing off of my roof and down the downspout. And there's a river of water going to the, the street. It swept me off my feet. Mm-hmm. I fell over. I'm being dragged around by this stream of water. Uh, luckily, I, I escaped and I'm OK. But I did have to go um, get treated for some minor lacerations and, and some bumps and bruises. And this is the code they used. You could say that you were swept away from a storm, you know. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. That's a good mm-hmm. way to describe it, in fact. Did you find yourself in an, a location that had a lot of miniature individuals and witches and a yellow brick road? Uh, no, there was not a tornado. Oh. Yeah, I, I there was there was a brick road and it was like sort of tan, but it really just looked like a faded red. Um, and, um, the city was made out of plastic. It was still green, but it was plastic. Uh, yeah. It's the wizard of Foz, the, mm-hmm. the off brand. Yeah. yeah the off. Everyone knows about the wizard of Foz. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why though. They kept calling me dorky. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into the news. First up, we have safety concerns over protective gear. Despite the surge of graphene-enhanced face masks, government authorities like Health Canada recently issued a warning on using said masks. They're advising that people not use face masks containing this material because there's a potential that they could inhale graphene particles, which may pose health risks. This all started when people wearing the masks felt unwell, but it isn't established whether as to whether or not the brand is a problem. But Health Canada is advising not to use these face masks until the department completes a thorough scientific assessment is taking the precautionary approach of removing them from the market while continuing together and assess information on safety and effectiveness. 
I'll admit, I had not heard of graphene face masks prior to this this article. Yeah, I can't say I have either, to be honest with you. I, uh, you know, maybe it's just one of those things where these organizations that were manufacturing these masks were kind of rushed into doing so because of the pandemic um, right. to try to help people. And, you know, some things got, there, there was a little bit of an oversight. So it's probably more so of what happened rather than, I can't imagine these companies were, you know, I'm going to take the take the moral route and say, you know, I don't think they were just doing manufacturing as fast as possible to make as much profit as possible. You know, right. that's not what businesses so, are for. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm now looking at them and, and I think I have actually seen some of these masks in okay. use just generally. Um, it, what it seems to be is that graphene, which is, you know, almost like a carbon fiber, basically, but, but yeah. graphite. Um, it, it, it seems to be designed for long-term wear, you know, mm-hmm. specifically marketed as these masks are good to wear for 20 hours plus, you know, in that situation where you're going to be wearing it yeah. constantly. And so that right. seems to be the reason that they were switching over and using graphene style masks. Um, but it, it's unclear as to whether or not that actually makes any difference uh, safety wise, you know, we don't yeah. know if, if that makes it more or less safe. I think the the question was all about comfort and structure. You know, the the mask is going to stay uh, structurally sound over long term right. wear. But it, it, in general, they seem to still be a disposable mask, one that should be worn once and then replaced. Gotcha. Interesting. So it's supposed to be a long term mask, but it turns out that you shouldn't wear it at all, unfortunately, until this investigation is done. So, you know. Right. We'll see and what it happens. it may just be one particular brand. It's it's hard to say whether or not yeah, right. it's There's the, not much. the graphene in general. Um, yeah. With with everything going on right now, I mean, it's, it's all of these companies who have never made masks before are making masks. Companies who have never made hand yeah. sanitizer are making hand sanitizer. And, you know, those kind of things, unfortunately, means that mistakes can happen, and and that's just the yep. kind of thing that we need to keep on our toes about. So, agreed. Next up, a program for parents to learn the ABCs of infant care. Webster County Health Unit is partnering with the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services to offer safe cribs to eligible families in an effort to ensure that children have a safe place to sleep. The program provides safe and portable cribs, fitted sheets, and safe sleep education. The resources are available for families who have no other means for obtaining a crib, and there's no cost for them to participate. Eligible families include those struggling with unemployment or underemployment, lack of education, inadequate housing, domestic violence, chronically ill children, and a lack of transportation. The program coordinator pointed out that babies sleep safest when parents follow the ABCs. When babies sleep A alone, B on their back, and C in an empty crib. Hmm. You know, I always feel like they somehow, some way, whenever they come up with something related to health, well, especially with infant care, they always come up with some really cool acronym that fits perfectly. And I don't know if there's like some sort of master namer or acronym designer, but they're awesome. The acronyms are. <laughs> <laughs> the acronyms are, and they bring him in, you know, he comes in, and it's like a five-minute 
you know, consultation and then he makes like $2 million. That's exactly what happens. And, and it's, it's not just infant care or whatnot. It's just medical care generally, because think about yeah. it. You know, what's the acronym for stroke recognition? It's, it's uh, fat. <laughs> Th- that acronym yeah, is I fat. Do that. Now, what does that stand for? Uh, I know F is face. Uh, a is arms, I believe. S is speech. I got you. Hold on. And Facial drooping, arm weakness, speech difficulty, and time. And time. Exactly. But there's also one that you know goes even deeper, and it's faster. Where it's face, <laughs> arms, stability, talking, eyes, and react. Mm. Oh, very nice. There's also be fast, which is balance, eyes, face, arms, speech, time. So, you know, the the acronyms are is having a good time coming up with all this thing. But anyways, to bring back what we were talking about and the <laughs> initial story here is, um, you know, I wonder how they determine the eligible families. Um, you know, they say that including those struggling with unemployment and underemployment, lack of education, inadequate housing, domestic violence, chronically ill children, and a lack of transportation. Um, how do you find those families? You know what I mean? Like, how do you reach out to them? I feel like that would be kind of a difficult thing. Uh, I'm going to guess that they distribute information at places where these families might go, you know, places mm-hmm. where they're seeking yeah. uh, help in other ways, for example, for food or for shelter, or for clothing, things like yeah. that. Um, I know that yeah. just childcare generally tends to be very expensive. You know, cribs. A, a mm-hmm. crib is more expensive than the bed I sleep in. <laughs> yeah, and, right. Uh, a stroller. Oh, well, that's I wouldn't be able to buy a stroller right now. I don't have that budgeted. I mean, <laughs> yeah, very out of control purchases. And plus, so, plus baby clothes like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that they grow out like, of in two months. <laughs> yep. Next up, not the kind of rare crystals you want. A public health alert was issued for a small amount of sausage products from Century Oak Packing Company based in Oregon. Around 39 pounds of raw frozen chorizo was suspected of containing heart pieces of crystalline material. The issue was discovered after the company received three complaints from consumers who reported finding the material in the product. Because these products are not thought to be available for purchase anymore, a recall wasn't issued. The products were sold at retail outlets in Oregon and at a farmer's market. They were produced on March 8th and include one-pound packages of Lonely Lane Farms Family Farm since 1939 Oregon-raised chorizo sausage. That's right. You heard me correctly. Lonely Lane Farms Family Farm since 1939 Oregon-raised chorizo sausage. Okay, before we get to the subject matter at hand, I just have to comment on the name of the farm. Lonely Lane Farms, really? Is it just like uh, one old man runs the whole thing? And his name's Lane? (laughs) Usually when you look at farm names, it's something like Pleasant Valley, Comforting Field, um, the Smooth River. (laughs) Right, but it, it tends to conjure these ideas of like fun and inviting natural features and yeah. happiness and warmth and this is like lonely lane <laughs> ain't nobody out here <laughs> ain't nobody here lane. but me mr <laughs> lane 
Long Anyways, line. I couldn't imagine biting into a sausage or any food for that matter and feeling like a like rock material in your teeth. That would hurt so bad. I noticed so they bad. don't mention what the crystalline material is. Just yeah, that right. It is a crystalline because uh, think about it this way: sugar is a crystalline material, and yeah, uh, you know what? <laughs> I would feel weird about biting into a sweet sausage, but yeah. at the same time, like that would be safe, right? That wouldn't be. But a also, thing. you know, other crystalline materials are metal, glass, silicon, ceramic, silicon dioxide. Gold, graphene, quartz, diamond. <laughs> Could you imagine make, if it was gold and they just make like, <laughs> it's like a mystery sauce, taking mystery it, meat to a whole new definition. No, it's, it's like Willy Wonka <laughs> and the chocolate factory. You yeah. just bite into a sausage and get a lump of gold. Congratulations. Now you own the Lonely Lane farm. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> please come to our farm, <laughs> please. I also want to point out that this article was featured on meatpoultry.com, and that's just uh, the most glorious website. What a I've cool heard. name for a website. Actually, though, that's sweet. Meat poultry. <laughs> and with that, let's get into our next segment. B-R-E-A-C-H. Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol. We talk about the latest and biggest and most recent Breaches all across the world. First up, we have nothing to gain with NetGain Breach. The advertising agency Wyden and Kennedy informed its employees that their data might have been compromised in a vendor ransomware attack last November. W&K uses the accounting firm Perkins and Company, which stores data on another vendor's servers. NetGain is the vendor that suffered the attack. None of these companies know for sure if employee data was compromised. Perkins and Company reported the breach to state officials on March 11th, and it said the breach was discovered on December 3rd. WNK confirmed that the agency had been notified of the breach. So ransomware doesn't, you know, we always talk about ransomware, and it's usually a healthcare company or government entities. In this case, it's an advertising firm, which is really unique. Um, this story highlights two things that we can we pretty much hit on constantly the first yep. one is that the interconnectedness of business nowadays means that it's not enough to just do due diligence for your own company you also have to do due diligence for the vendors you work with right right it's not enough yep. to keep yourself safe you got to make sure that the other companies you work with are also keeping themselves yeah. safe. because if you want it done right you got to do it yourself so it comes back down to that age-old adage of, you know, if, if, if you need some services to help your business, that's great. But you need to make sure that those services are protecting your data and your client's data. Because exactly. can't be too, can't, you know, you, you, you want to trust that your vendor that you're paying is going to help you out and do their best. But you never really know what their processes are right. internally and right. what they are 100%. And, and the so. The other thing that this story highlights is that the breach was discovered December 3rd, but it was not actually reported until March 11th. Right. So, you know, that gives you a pretty big uh, gap of time there. Uh, what was going yeah. on for three months? They had to figure out what was, they had to figure out what was going on, who exactly. was affected. What, and what's uh, the story, guys? What are we getting? <laughs> how do they, yeah, how do they uh, tell the public probably right. what it is, re remediation. 
Right. Next up, it pays to be late. The Dutch Data Protection Authority has imposed a fine of over 400,000 pounds on Booking.com for reporting a security incident so late. The breach occurred in 2018, affecting the personal data of over 4,000 customers. Around 300 customers had their financial data and details compromised. Booking.com discovered the breach on January 13, 2019, but it reported the breach 22 days later instead of the legally mandated 72 hours. One IT security company says that the fine seems severe since data of only 300 people was compromised out of 4,000 affected victims. So here's the the other side of the story. You know, in Mm -hmm. U.S. companies, we wait three months to report our breaches. um, Right. in uh, Denmark, we have data protection that requires a report within 72 hours. Though That's I will insane. say, the fine is kind of crazy. It looks like they find, based on the numbers, only they had 4,000 potential breaches that they didn't report. Yeah. And so they charged them 1,000 pounds per, or 100 pounds per breach, which total up to 400,000 pounds. I don't, you know, I mean, when you break down the math, it doesn't seem that bad, right? A hundred dollars, or I'm sorry, a hundred pounds per customer, right? That's like, okay, right. so I'm a customer and my financial details are worth a hundred pounds in the eyes of the Dutch Data Protection Authority. But, you know, once it's over 400 or 4,000 customers, that's a lot of money. I mean, it is. Yeah. That's and, definitely and significant. Comparatively, this is a pretty small breach. I mean, 4,000 yeah. people. While still a lot is, you know, it's not 20,000 that we see sometimes. Right. Or, you know, half a million that we see from <laughs> yeah. bigger companies. So, I mean, yeah. that fine could get insane. Oh, yeah. It could compound pretty quick. And I think, you know, if, if there's one way to ensure that you're uh, the, the organization that do business in your country does their due diligence is to make fines like this where not even that big of a breach and you know arguably and find them a ton so it definitely sets a precedent right i gotta make an example out of them so that nobody's ever late again <laughs> right exactly and finally facing user mistrust over a recent data leak Personal details of over 553 million Facebook users have been published on a website for hackers, according to multiple reports. The details appeared on April 3rd and are available in 106 different country-based packages, including 32 million records on users in the U.S. Facebook said that the data was from a 2019 breach of its servers and that it had since plugged the security hole. In a tweet, a cyber researcher said that Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg was among the millions of users who had their data posted on the forum. There isn't much that the social network can do beyond warn people to watch out for phishing scams. Concerned users are encouraged to check if their email address has been leaked in data breaches using websites like Have I Been Pwned. Yeah, so I mean, we just talked about a smaller breach with a huge find, and now this is a huge breach. <laughs> Right, with no three million times a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, right. That's insane. That's like some country's GDPR. <laughs> right. That's that's fifty five billion dollars if they didn't report, and obviously they didn't report because uh, you know it's it's coming out later that this right. has happened once uh, the the leaked data started showing up. 
So, you know, if they were a Dutch company, they could be facing a $55 billion fine. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is insane for sure. I, uh, I I almost feel a sense of justice that the CEO himself was included among the data that was leaked, right? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's almost like, well, you had a security issue and it actually affected you directly this time, as opposed to yeah, just but, the people you serve. Yeah, exactly. And it's not really going to, still not going to change the way that he does business, probably. But right. it is a nice it's like kind of karma. Yeah, I, I am kind of concerned, though, that this wasn't reported. Like, they obviously knew about it because they said that they plugged the security hole of mm -hmm. the 2019 breach. But I, I'm concerned that I didn't know about this until two years later when it started getting yeah. uh, traction because of the release of this data. That That's a big concern when we're talking about social medias that, you know, there's tons of them and they all have my data. Yep, and all the all the websites that do advertisements send their data on the website to the face the social media, which makes things even more scary from a privacy perspective. Right. Yeah, we'll see if anything comes comes uh, you know from this in terms of a fine, and I can't imagine it's going to be as significant as the the percentage um, of compounding that happened with the previous breach that we just talked about. Right. And that's it for this week's wrap-up of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Alex Ross. And I'm Matt Moneypenny. And we will see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The Bandage. This week's episode was written and produced by eTactics. eTactics is a leading revenue cycle solutions organization committed to providing innovative, web-based solutions that improve our clients' cash management and customer relationships. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.